again, I'm, I'm really excited uh, anytime Pastor Tim trusts me with his, uh, to stand behind his pulpit when he's gone. Um, Luke chapter 2 is what I want you to find this morning. And um, rather than me um, read all of it, I, I want to let a friend of mine um, read a portion of our scripture this morning. So, hit it. You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. <laughs> what a treat. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Verse 15 says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, a lot of you guys know how much I love Charlie Brown. And uh, Charles Schultz, who was the creator of, of Peanuts, often took opportunities to try to inject biblical truth into his comic strips, into his cartoons. If you've watched all of his specials, usually there's some sort of reference to Scripture or Christianity in those. And, but this is perhaps the most famous from a Charlie Brown Christmas. And uh, I think that Charles Schultz was very intentional in choosing to have Linus read this passage of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning um, when he's talking to Charlie Brown. I, I want us to think about the shepherds this morning. Um, I want us to focus in on them. They are a part of the story that, that maybe they're very much a part, but sometimes they get overlooked aside from, from the main characters. And we all have our shepherds in our nativity scene sitting on our mantle, and we sing songs about them. We've done that this morning. We sang songs centered all around um, the shepherds and, and what the shepherds experienced. But I think that the shepherds are more important that we, than we realize, and I believe that the shepherds may actually be some of the most important characters in the Christmas story. 
I think God is, has something to say to us this morning, very special, through the story of the shepherds. And so, um, if you would, pray with me. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open up your word, we want to see what you want us to see. The Christmas story is something that all of us has heard hundreds of times, maybe even thousands. But this morning, what we want to ask you to do is to show us something that we've never seen before. Show us something brand new. Maybe something that we've missed or maybe something that we saw a long time ago, but we forgot. Open your word up to us and show us what you want to show us today. We love you, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, we all know the story of the shepherds, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time retelling the story because lots of us know what happened. What I want us to talk about is not so much what happened, but why. Why shepherds? I, I want to tell you a little bit about shepherds to start with. And I don't, I don't know uh, how much you know, research into history you've ever done, but I want to tell you a little bit about shepherds. If I were a movie producer in the first century... And somebody gave me the task of producing the story of the Son of God coming to earth. And there was a role in the story where the first people, who were going to be the first people that were going to get the announcement that the Son of God had been born on earth. If I were a first century movie producer, let's just pretend they even made movies in the first century, okay? I know they didn't. But let's pretend they did. I would never have cast shepherds to be the first ones to hear the story of Jesus. And let me tell you a little bit about shepherds, why. Most shepherds were men that didn't have any families. They didn't have wives. They didn't have children. Uh, they didn't have families. They spent all of their time with sheep, literally. They were often isolated and very alone. And so what they would do many times, would they, they would combine their flocks. If I were a shepherd, had my flock, I would find another shepherd who had a flock. And I would team up with him and we would put our sheep together. And maybe even two or three or four of us may put our flocks together. And we would camp out and travel together because it was lonely being a shepherd. Um, they were often isolated. Um, and you've got to have somebody to talk to. Who are you going to talk to? Sheep? You know, what, what are you going to say? It, it was, um, they weren't really a part of any community at all. And so they would create their own communities within themselves. Shepherds weren't trusted. Uh, anytime there was ever something missing or uh, a theft occurred or anything like that, shepherds were always the first ones um, to be suspect if they were around. Their reputation was very shady. Uh, nobody trusted shepherds. They also, because they weren't trusted, they weren't allowed to be to give testimony in a court proceeding or in the law. I don't know if you realize that. The testimony of a shepherd meant nothing in court because nobody trusted them. They were very much outcast. They were dirty, smelly, and quite often, because they were isolated and alone and needed something to take up their time, they tended to be alcoholics. They would spend their days moving sheep from pasture to water, taking them where they needed to be at night. They stayed on guard to keep uh, the animals away or thieves that would come and steal the sheep. And that's pretty much all they did. 
also want you to think about in the religious life of the shepherds. Did the, did the shepherds have any kind of religious life? What was their role? Um, how did they play out their faith? Well, according to the religious law, shepherds were considered unclean. And they could not participate in any of the holy days, any of the festivals or feasts that the Jews celebrated. Shepherds were, in that aspect, very much in the same boat with the lepers. You've heard before that lepers, before they came in contact with people, they would have to yell, unclean, unclean. Shepherds were considered unclean, and they were not allowed because of their job. They were, obviously, they were unclean. So they were not allowed to participate in the festivals and the holy days. When everyone else was at the temple bringing their sacrifices, the shepherds were in the fields taking care of the sheep. You wonder what kind of hearts they had. It, it, it didn't really matter to anybody what sort of hearts for God the shepherds had uh, because they weren't included. Uh, they were very much looked down on by the religious system. Nobody really cared about them spiritually. Um, as long as they did a good job taking care of the sheep, so that everybody else would have a sacrifice to be able to take to the temple and worship. And that seems kind of cheesy for the shepherds. Uh, they, they couldn't leave their flocks to go in and worship because they were taking care of the sheep that everyone else was going to take to the temple to sacrifice. I don't think many of us have ever thought about shepherds in the light that the first century looked at them. We kind of see them as, you know, cute, nice guys with their little hooks and they're out in the fields. And, but, but in the first century, where this story plays out, the shepherds were third class, overlooked, taken for granted, shady, distrusted, and to most people, they were dirty, rotten scoundrels. So, I'm pretty sure on that night that they were in the field and an angel appeared to them that they were pretty blown away and pretty shocked. I don't think that they ever expected that to happen to them. And, and to be honest, why would they? Why would they ever expect anything like that to happen to them? Uh, nobody else would have thought that would have happened to them. So, why would they have even considered it? Does anybody remember, I, like, I, I was around and I was kind of young, but I think I was too young to care. In 1982, when Princess Diana and Prince Charles had Prince William, does anybody, like, remember that? Like, remember maybe seeing it on TV or hearing about it in the news? Uh, that was a big deal. And within minutes of the birth of Prince William... Um, all of the British royal family, the nobility, um, the statesmen of Britain uh, were informed that the future king of England had just been born. Now, I want you to put this shepherd's thing into the context of that. That's probably, the royal family is probably the closest thing that we can think of contemporary to, you know, with kings being born and those kind of things. What if when Prince William had been born, exclusive, handwritten, gold-leaf invitations were given to the servants 
of the royal family and said, and they get instructed them, I want you to go out into the streets and all of the corner vendors, the people who are sweeping the streets and the cab drivers. I want you to take these and don't say anything to anybody until you invite them. Now, could you imagine what kind of scandal that would have caused if the first people in Britain to know about the, print, the, the birth of Prince William would have been the cab drivers and the street vendors and the street sweepers? That's kind of what happened here. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't seem to fit the protocol For when the king is born, who are you going to tell? Those are not the people that are going to get the invitations. And not just are they the ones that are told, but they're given invitations to Kensington Palace where the family is staying. And they say, we want you to come to the palace and be the first ones to see the new king. We want you to be the first ones to see Prince William. Does that make any sense to us at all? No. That would never have happened. And it didn't make sense to the people in the first century either. So no wonder the shepherds were blown away at what had happened. Here was this ragamuffin crew of dirty, outcast shepherds. And they were the first ones to be told. And they were not just the first ones to be told, but they, (laughs) the heavens literally erupted with the hosts of heaven singing the glory of God over these shepherds to tell them that all of the years, all the thousands and thousands of years that the people had waited for the Messiah to come was finally here. And this little pack of shepherds sitting on a hill, the entire host of heaven split the sky open to tell these guys, seriously? And so scripture says when they heard, they went. They went to go look, and and I'm not really sure that they understood that they were the first ones to hear. It was a big risk for them to leave their flocks to go. I don't know if we realize that either. There was nobody to watch them, nobody to take care of them. They just left. So they were pretty excited about it. And I can imagine when they get there, they expected there to be a big crowd. I would if I had been a shepherd. I would have expected there to have been lots and lots of people there. And I wasn't even really sure if I was going to even get to see the baby. We're just going to go see if we can. We can. And they get there. And they go searching, searching for this manger that's supposed to have a baby in it. And they find it. And there's mother, father, and baby. Where's everybody else? Did, did nobody else see the big chorus of angels that broke through the sky? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think like the shepherds. What is up? What, who, where is everybody? And then the longer they're there, and they get to spend time in worshiping this baby, I think what's going on in their minds is, we're the only ones here. Does nobody else know what this is? Like, are we the only ones that know? And I think they began to realize that they were. And so no wonder that Scripture says when they left, they went out and told everybody they could find about what had happened. And they went off worshiping and rejoicing and celebrating. And they went to tell everybody they could find because they figured out nobody knows. 
I guess we were the only ones that saw the angel, but nobody else knows. And so I guess it's up to us to tell them. So let's, let's go. And they leave and they begin to tell everybody that they could find. But even in the midst of all that, I'm pretty sure that in the back of their minds, this question that we're asking this morning was nagging them, going, why us? Nobody cares about us. Nobody's ever taken the time to come tell us anything. (laughs) We're just here. I think there's a very important revelation of God in this story. And I think it's to remind us that God doesn't see people the same way we see people. And we talk a lot about the fact that we as God's creation are made in the image of God. And there are lots of things that God in his creation of us made us similar to him in. But I think this is one of those stories that is meant to remind us just how much like God we are not. He doesn't show favoritism to people based on their wealth or their class or their social status. But that's pretty much what we do. That's pretty much what we do all the time. The word to the shepherds was, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. All the people. God deeply loves the ones who never get noticed. Some of us get noticed more than others, and and often we get the feeling that we're not really important because nobody seems to notice us. And, and everybody knows how that feels, and we all go through seasons or moments in our lives with people where we don't get noticed or we get overlooked or we think that maybe we should have gotten more recognition than we did. But there are some people who live their life daily that way. It's not just something that they occasionally wrestle with. It is everyday life, they are literally invisible to people. There are people that at your workplace who come in and out of there day and day after day after day and don't know if anybody ever sees them. There, there are students that our kids go to school with that live their lives invisible because they're not even sure if anybody even knows that they're there. And I think the message, the story of the shepherds is God saying to those people who never get noticed, even though no one else around you seems to even notice that you're alive, I fill my days knowing exactly where you are, exactly what you need, and what can I do to communicate to you how much I really love you. To the ones that never get noticed, I believe that's what the story of the shepherds says. God also has a lot of grace, great grace, for the ones who can't get it right. I don't know if I'm the only one here, but do you ever feel, do you ever have those days when you don't do anything right? And when you mess up, and, and you get frustrated because you messed up, and then you realize, man, i got to do better. And then like five minutes later, you do something else to mess up that makes the thing you messed up before even worse. 
and it's almost like a snowball. I don't know if anybody else has days like that, but I, but I do. Where you think, man, I can never get anything right. I think that's why I love Charlie Brown so much. Because he is the epitome of a blockhead. And, and I, I know it's mean, but that's what everybody calls him. That's his reputation. But I think that's why I love Charlie Brown so much. Because I feel like a blockhead. Quite a bit. There's a line in that scene of the cartoon. After he takes the tree and walks outside and he goes and he finds, you know, he finds Snoopy's, you know, freak show of a light display on his doghouse. You remember? And he takes one of the red balls and he hangs it on his tree and it droops it down to the ground. And Charlie Brown says, Ugh, I killed it. Everything I touch gets ruined. You ever feel like that? Everything I touch just falls apart. It doesn't, it doesn't work. I can't make anything fit. I think the story of the shepherds is for us. And for those people who seem to, to live in that pattern of life. They can't get it right. No matter how hard they try. And I think God says to us and to those people through the shepherds, stop thinking that your success makes you better or more worthy of my love for you. Your failures are the reason that I came for you. I love you in your failure as much as in your success. And then with God, there's no regard for reputation. We... As people really love reputation and we treasure it and we hang on to it and we work really hard to keep a good reputation. But for some people, you've already blown your reputation. And an, and an earthly reputation is something that's very fragile and with one bad choice and one mistake, it can be destroyed for the rest of your life. It's so fragile, you don't even have to really do anything for your reputation to be destroyed. Somebody else, just with their words, can destroy your reputation, even if you're completely innocent in it. And it happens every day. It happens every day in the world. And some people are victims of a reputation, not that they've brought on themselves, but a reputation that somebody else has passed on to them. Maybe somebody that's come before them. Maybe their parents or somebody else in their family. Because of their actions and bad choices, there was a reputation. So it's kind of gotten cast onto them when there was not even really any, any wrongdoing or anything with them. The shepherds were guys who had horrible reputations. But you know what I think? I think that that is the fact that made God intentionally choose them. I think that's why he picked the shepherds. Because their appetite for sin was sometimes really large. And because of their isolation and their loneliness and their separation, sin very easily could creep into their lives. And that's what gave them that reputation that they had. But what happens to us? When are we most susceptible to sin? When are we in a place where our appetite for sin seems to get bigger? It's usually in the times when we're the most isolated and we feel lonely and we feel separated from, from other people. 
you remember when you were a little kid and your grandparents or even your parents would put up the Christmas tree at home and at first there would be nothing under it? But maybe that first day that you came home from school and you actually saw packages under the tree, there were some presents there. What did you do? You started to go through all of them because you were looking for one that had your name on it. And every day, and this is, I don't know if you did this, but this is what I did. Every day when I would come home or I would go into my grandmother's house, I would check and see, are there some more boxes under the tree? And if they are, I'm looking for the ones with my name on it. God knew that we needed to be rescued from ourselves, our choices, our sin, our reputations. And I think to the shepherds, the story says, here is this gift that I'm sending to earth and I'm wrapping it up in a manger and it's got your name written on it. It's that thing you've been looking for. You've been looking under the tree for a long time, waiting on one to show up with your name on it because nobody, nobody thinks about you. This one's yours. It's got your name on it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Paul says this to the church to keep us mindful. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. And the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. See, the birth of Jesus for the shepherds was the birth of hope. There was no hope for them until Jesus came. There was no hope for us until Jesus came. 400 years of silence God's people had endured. God didn't speak, didn't reveal himself, didn't send any prophets. 400 years, completely silent. And then on this night, he comes to say, I've been here all along and I've been waiting for this moment to put this gift under the tree for you and put your name on it. Because with this gift, I'm going to make everything new. Things aren't going to be like they've been. The way your life has been up until now, and I think he's saying to those shepherds, man, your life has been horrible. And people have, don't treat you and don't recognize you for who you really are, but I do. And I've been waiting on this day that I get to come and tell you that this has happened. And I'm going to make everything new now. And then to know that that baby is going to grow. He's going to become Jesus. He's going to live a perfect life. And then he's going to die on the cross. And in dying on the cross, again, Jesus would make everything new. 
He made everything new when he was, came into the world and he was born. And he was going to make everything new when he gave his life on the cross. So who is the story of the shepherds for? If you feel invisible and not sure if anybody ever really notices you. If you feel isolated and separated from the people that you want to be with the most. Whether it be friends or family. If you feel ashamed because you've made too many wrong choices. If you feel embarrassed because you can't keep up with the trends of the culture like everybody else. If you feel used by other people who seem to only be concerned about themselves. If you've ever felt like you've messed things up more often than you make them better. If you've ever felt forgotten. If you've ever felt like you have too many hang-ups and vices in your life for God to ever do anything productive with you. Or for God to even love you like he does other people, it seems. He wants you to know this morning that that good news of great joy is especially for you. It's that gift you've been waiting for your whole life to show up under the tree with your name on it. And it could be that maybe you've seen the gift before and maybe you've even picked it up and shaken it. What is this? Trying to figure it out. You pick it up, you look at it. You ever done that when you were a kid? You pick it up and you try to figure out what it is. Because you can't open it yet. I think a lot of people do that with Jesus. He's there. Their name is written on it. But they're scared to open it. They pick it up, shake it, try to figure it out before they open it. I used to hate that. I hate that now when people do that with their Christmas. Just take it. It's for you. Why are you trying to figure out what it is? Before you open it, what's the point? It's yours. It's got your name on it. Just open it. I think that's what Jesus says to those. Quit trying to shake it and figure it out. It's yours. Open it. So the shepherds, in our minds, were not the people God should have picked to hear the story for the first time, to be the ones that are told. There's not really anything about them that would have made God pick them. But the truth is, God shouldn't have picked us either. But the good news of great joy is that he did. He picked them. And he picked you.